0: right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your home for daily Florida Gators coverage and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. We've got the three-headed monster back today as I'm joined by Demetrius Harvey, who you can follow at Demetrius82, and Brandon Carroll, who you can follow at It's The Carroll. We had one show like this last week as we were preparing for Demetrius to step away for a couple of days uh, to get Brandon acclimated to coming on the show And we liked him so much that we decided to bring him back again. Uh, Demetrius even kind of teased at this before. So I'll let you both start it off. I'll I'll let Brandon start it off, but I'll let you both introduce yourselves. Brandon, say what's up to the people.
1: What's up, everybody? Glad to be back so soon. Uh, Honestly, I didn't even expect to be back this soon, but uh, I had such a good time last week. I know you all missed me. So uh, here I am again.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I think that this is a great deal. I told you guys that Brandon would probably be back sooner rather than later. And, you know, I wasn't wrong. You know I'm not wrong about a lot of things, as you guys know. So (laughs) it's just a perfect timing and a perfect way to break out this Florida-Georgia week with Brandon back on the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode, and I hope you enjoyed this one.
0: (laughs) Demetrius, remember uh, last night when we recorded a pod and you had to apologize to Todd Grantham? I think you were kind of wrong about something there. So you say well, you're, not, I mean, you say I you're to, not you say you're not wrong very often, but that's the first subject. I don't think of our that I show. was wrong.
2: I don't think <laughs> I don't think that I was wrong at all about how the defense was performing over the first three games. I think that everybody would agree with me. I just was maybe a little bit misguided on how they might perform throughout the entire season. And you know what? I apologize to Todd Grantham. We're moving on. I I,
0: I am just pulling your tail because I like Brandon more than you. Anyway, we are, we are on to Georgia, as Dan Mullen said today when talking about the suspensions and fines that we covered in yesterday's episode. Not too much more to go there. He said it. They put out their statement, and it's in the past. So, you know, we've even got some stuff to pull from Dan Mullen's press conference today when we talked to him. Well, we're recording this today. You'll hear this on Wednesday. On Tuesday, We recorded this Tuesday. You'll hear it Wednesday. Uh, I get it. We talked to, listen, we talked to Dan Mullen, we talked to Todd Grantham, and we talked to Brian Johnson today. Uh, and really, while we heard some from Dan Mullen, we really heard a lot more from Todd Grantham and Brian Johnson. So we're going to be going with both of those guys as we start this press, as we start this podcast. And then in our third segment, we're going to have some fun and try and predict Florida's opening script against the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, let's start with Grantham. Uh, he talked about the defensive performance against Missouri. It was obviously unlike anything we had seen all year long. Like you said, Demetrius, what did you? learn from this press conference today when talking to Grantham about some of the mistakes that have been made in the past, the corrections they've made, and what they can build upon?
2: Well, I think that it was more so basically what we were talking about last night and the impact that Kyrie Campbell has on this defense. And it's not just about him playing you know, defensive tackle for this defense or starting or playing the majority of the snaps. It's also about the other players around him. So Todd Grantham basically said it today. He said, I think the biggest thing is it goes back to last week. You've established your physical presence in the game, being able to limit their ability to rush the football, which I will add that they were able to stop Missouri from running the football. I think it was 1.7 yards per carry. I mean, I know they were trailing for a long time, but that's pretty significant, 40 yards on 23 attempts, and that's crazy. But he, he he went on to say that really the guys did a good job of being physical and then executing the game plan that allowed guys to make more plays. The credit goes to the players and the ability to have some guys available that gave us the flexibility to play guys where they need to most be playing. Mm -hmm. And that means what he was talking about and what he essentially said later on in the presser was that they're able to play Brenton Cox in his natural position. I don't know if you guys noticed this on the tape when you guys watch the games, but when Brenton Cox was playing, he was playing a lot of defensive end. Yeah, he was standing up sometimes, but he was having to play that more contained defensive end role more so than play the just rush the passer, get after the quarterback, get after the the run game off the edge. Having a guy like Kyrie Campbell back, taking up blocks enabled them to be able to play him in a better position. I think that's what Todd Grantham got out of his players on Saturday, and that's exactly what they were able to do. So moving forward, I guess they're going to just keep trying to maintain the players that are there and have more, once more guys become more available, they'll be able to play them at their best positions and, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Kyrie Campbell clearly made a huge impact on this defense.
1: Well, yeah. And you look at a guy like Campbell, who has 24 starts, uh, really two seasons worth in this defense, uh, you know, since Todd Grantham and uh, came over to Florida from Mississippi State. And that was lost in the first few games. It, it's hard to lose someone that has that experience in that role when you have lost so many players from the previous season to start in that defense. So Kyrie Campbell coming back allowed them not only to get that big run stopper back in the middle, but they got a leader back as well. They got someone who knew what his role was. he knew the role of those around him and he just elevates everyone on that defensive line to the level that they need to play at and to the level that really has been has been the that's been one of the keys to Florida's defense really for the last what three, four years getting after the passer. And so because of that we saw, Brent Cox, and we really saw anyone that lined up on that defense. Even T.J. Slayton had a night. Um, You know, even in the secondary, everything. Communication looks much better. There was just a – there's a energy that he brings to the field. And really, I think that it was – he was a big portion of what we saw simply because they got a guy that understood the playbook, understood what was being asked of him, and he was able to cast that off on the other guys alongside him. Yeah, without a doubt. And this is something
0: that we mentioned before. You said Slayton. He only played 32 snaps. I believe that was his low on the season. But what do you know? In the second half, he, he was an animal. He played much yeah. better when he was fresh. Zachary Carter only played in the first half. And actually, he still, according to PFF, it looks like, played more defensive tackle than end. Uh, he's still going to do that. He's going to be playing some three technique in the scheme. But we do see encouraging things from him when he's playing. End. And over the past two games, not just Missouri, but also Texas A&M, He has started to take more snaps on the outside than he did in the first two games of the year. And that's just the thing. Like Grantham said, Campbell allows them to put Carter to put Cox in positions that they're more comfortable. And then that's another thing that Grantham added is we really did start to see that pressure come from Cox. And he's a guy that we were talking about before the show. Now is the time that we think he can start to come alive. I mentioned it last night and Demetrius uh, did as well. We were talking about how young his playing career still is. Really, he's—he Missouri was his fourth game as a Gator, and otherwise he had one start for Georgia in his true freshman season and had some playing time, but still limited when it was in general. So he's still coming along. He's now in a comfortable position. We're thinking that, especially being motivated, Georgia could be the game where he comes alive. What do you think, uh, Brandon?
1: Well, first of all, this is a kid that – he played with Georgia, so this game already has an added motivation in his mind because he wants to prove that they let a good one go. They let someone, you know, that could have helped them uh, on on their to their goals leave the program because of whatever went on there. So, absolutely, it's a time for him to be able to step up and take, you know, uh, uh, that next step against a good Georgia football team in an elite offensive line that Georgia possesses. I mean, even after losing uh, Isaiah Wilson, uh, Andrew Thomas, Cade Mays, of the starting defense that played against Florida last season, or the starting offensive line, sorry, that played against Florida last season, they still put together one of the best performances from an offensive line in the SEC this season. And I don't think think it's really even close, because they continue to reload the trenches, which is something that puts them atop the SEC and atop the SEC East since Kirby Smart took over at the helm for Georgia. Okay. So if Britton Cox is able to take that next step against his former against his former squad, then all eyes are going to be open, and we're going to see Britton Cox start to be looked at as, you know, okay, he's starting to develop. He's starting to be one of those premier pass rushers for Florida that they've been missing to this point in the season.
0: Demetrius, I, I don't mean to skip over you with Brenton, but we don't have too much time. Um, I just want to add two parts from Grantham's presser. One, I thought it was really classy how he paused two questions in to offer his thoughts and prayers to Richard LeCount of Georgia. We talked about being in the motorcycle accident and won't play against Florida. We are sending him his best, uh, our best, as well as Todd Grantham. He's doing the same thing. And keeping it with the safeties. We mentioned the secondary, so I do want to touch up on this because this is something Grantham talked about too with the young players that did step up, played really well, especially Rashad Torrance, I thought, played great at safety. So, you know, Marco Wilson and Donovan Steiner weren't benched for this game. They were unavailable for whatever undisclosed reasons it may have been. Obviously, following the outbreak, people have their guesses. But with that being said, I asked Todd today, when you're at full strength, do you think the performance of a guy like Rashad in game action could force the hand to to start playing him over a guy like Steiner, maybe, who struggled? Or just across the defense, young guys stepping up when they're number is called could it force some legit competition and he wouldn't give anything away he said he wants to see how guys practice and perform and that won't change but Demetrius if you're in his position how can you go back necessarily to some of the guys that we have seen not just struggle for three games this year but throughout their career when someone like Rashad Torrance steps up and plays so well at safety
2: yeah you you almost can't and not not just because of the one game, which it was great. You know, 3 of 15 on third downs. That's a credit to both the defensive line, the linebackers, and the secondary especially on third downs. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that these guys played lights out. It's really hard for you to get back, especially right after the game, and say, you know what? Once Steiner's back, he's going to be starting. You know, why would you win? This is the best performance that you've seen out of the Gators' defense this season. So – you do have to take into account, you know, this was only a one game performance and you have to obviously look at the full body of work. But I do believe that, you know, these guys, they have the ability. You saw Rashad Torrance. He played well. And I should he also taught, say
0: Brad Stewart too, not just the young guys, well, but Brad wasn't starting because of his suspension yeah. to start. The, for I was going to, I was going to
2: mention, I was going to mention, I was going um, okay. to mention Brad Stewart and, you know, Todd Grantham talked about the guys that were now made available, and Brad Seward's basically a new guy, and they're just like Kyrie Campbell. You know, he's only played one more game than Kyrie has this year, and he makes a huge impact on the team. Him being in and having Marco out, not necessarily saying that Marco wouldn't have played well. Who knows how he would have played with everybody else around him playing extremely well on Saturday, but him being in there, he clearly had an excellent game. He had probably, out of all the defensive backs, him – and then obviously Elam had played probably the best in, in Torrance. And then you got Trevez Johnson. Just all of these guys came in and they were able to play to their best of their abilities. But you ask, you know, how can you go back to guys like Steiner and maybe have Elam or not Elam, Marco Wilson, you know, going back to him and players like that. It doesn't necessarily mean you can't go back, but it does give you a lot of credit to be able to say, you know what, we are going to play these guys more. We are going to play Rashad Torrance more than he did you know, over the past couple of games prior to or after the Ole miss game, which is when he really got some 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 action in there. Mm-hmm. And maybe you will start mixing it up a bit more. We'll see. You know, it's a if it's about getting guys in the best position as possible and about having guys available to allow you to do that, then it just makes sense. You're gonna play the guys that have performed the best.
0: Definitely want to apologize there for saying Brad Stewart was suspended. I don't know if that's why he missed the first two games. I got kind of confused in the running talking about his past two seasons. Definitely my fault, mistake. Anyway, we are moving on and we are going to be talking about the offensive side of the ball. Brian Johnson met with us today. I'm sure we'll have a little more to pull from Dan there as well, talking about the offense, Uh, what he's seen from the run game, uh, what he saw against Missouri, and where they can go against Georgia after these messages. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time, whether it's work friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. That's when you reach for a Coors Light, especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
2: You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time-consuming. That's why I have started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now, I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low-calorie, low-sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to BuildBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuildBar.com.
0: So I felt kind of bad. I had a question for Dan at the, start, at the end of his presser uh, about the run game, why they kind of struggled uh, in the red zone when they were running the ball, or maybe the pass game was dictating that because they did move down the field on the first two drives uh, pretty well. So, but I didn't get to. There wasn't enough time. So I had to lead off Brian's uh, presser with kind of a harsher question. Than I was anticipating but he gave a really great answer Um, he wants to get better in their red zone production as a whole not just running but they want to score touchdowns we've heard it all year long that they want to score touchdowns on every single drive they'll take the field goal if they need to but it's it's all about them TDs baby
2: yeah it it really is huh and you know what is interesting we can kind of go back a little bit to what Dan Mullen talked about uh, in his press conference where You know, I I asked him, I said, you know, is that the most complete game that he's played or that he's had with his team, obviously, this season? And he was like, you know what, It, it might not have been the most complete game. Obviously, every coach wants to score on every drive. But I also added that, you know, the Gators often struggled a little bit in the beginning of the game. And not to say he didn't like that, but it was more of maybe the expectations, he said this, maybe the expectations for his offense or for this Gators offense is a little high. You know, they're not going to be out there scoring 80% of their drives. And he's right, you know, they're not going to be a team that's going to sit there and score every single time they touch the football, even though they want to. And that's what every single quarterback, coach, whatever you want to say, every single player is going to say that they want to score on every single play. And maybe their offense did play a little bit down, but it's, Dan Mullen said it you know maybe that's just how a normal offense would look but sort of getting back to what Brian Johnson talked about and how they want to establish the run a little bit more especially in the red zone you looked at that first couple drives that Florida had especially in that first drive I felt as though they could have easily ran the football and got into the end zone there they had a couple other struggles that that I thought I think I pointed out on last night's podcast. And you need to be able to put in a guy like Damian Pierce and expect him to get those goal line carries. Yeah, they did score on one of those drives with, with Justin Shorter, but you, you, you weren't able to punch it in as easily as you would have if you would have had Pierce instead of maybe Naquan right in there. And I love Naquan. He's a great running back. But when you have a bell cow like Damian Pierce, who's going to run over people and he's going to get those gritty yards and you kind of want to use him. And I think that, you know, johnson was talking more specifically about the earlier stuff but i did think that those were kind of the key impacts that you want to have especially in the run game especially in the red zone
0: you know who had a big uh had a big night running the ball Hmm. lamar trask i don't say (laughs) (laughs) we we talked Um, about it with we talked about it with brian too he did have a little bit of a slow start and as, as you said with Dan, they, they can't possibly expect to score every time they touch the ball, even though they'd like to, and Dan is admitting that the expectations might be a bit high. So I guess we're harsh on them when we criticize them for not scoring on the first two drives of the game. But Brandon, he mentioned that as things went along, he really picked up, uh, he had a willingness to get first downs, and we saw that as he ran the ball while the game went on. And of course, through the air, he ended up setting the record for UF, uh, four consecutive games with four touchdown passes. What have you? What did you see from Trask? And listen, I understand he's not a rushing threat. I don't think he's going to lead Florida in rushing many times, but I will call him that name every time he does. But, I mean, Unfortunately. when he is able to occasionally even be somewhat effective as a rusher, can that elevate Florida's offense beyond when they put Emery Jones and Anthony Richardson into the game?
1: Well, of course it can, because Dan Mullen has said for how long, since really since he's back at Mississippi State, he doesn't need a talented runner. He needs a willing runner. And that's what Kyle Trask was – he proved. He proved he was a willing runner. Obviously, he doesn't uh, – he's not as elusive as some of the other guys, and that, that's a bit of an understatement. But he turned he out yards, and he led Florida in rushing. But the thing that I see from Florida is – there's a necessity to establish the run game, especially in a game that, that is upcoming with Georgia, that the winner historically has won the rushing battle, at least in the past few seasons. But it's good. I th- I feel like it's more important to. There's there's no really certain way that you can say, all right, they need to rush Damian Pierce, you know, this many times. They need to rush this player this many times. This can come from a multitude of different places. We could see Kadarius Toney get a few, you know, sweeps. Uh, They tried to do it with Trent Whittemore uh, one time that didn't really go anywhere. You know, uh, they have three running backs that can really rush the football. I I
0: don't mean to interrupt you, but someone floated the idea that that was just setting up a trick play against Georgia. And they're going to run that again with Trent, but have him throw the ball.
1: Oh, Ooh. I I absolutely believe it because I saw that same thing and I was like probably most likely because mm-hmm. they did the same thing with Kroll. Um, he, that was the Kroll, Lucas Kroll. Mm-hmm. They did that with him. It, was it last year or two years ago? They've done I it. I remember. think they did it
0: twice with him. And last year it wasn't as good as the first time. And also, they yeah, could, they could do it with Kadarius Tony again. He's thrown a touchdown. Yeah, it,
1: yeah, he was a high school quarterback. So like, they have so many guys that can you know do these things. So really, what my point was is that. Establishing the run is bigger than just doing so with the players that specifically are at the running back position. It It is really just about being able to get yardage on the ground that doesn't need to come from, like I said, Damian Pierce or Malik Davis or Naquan Wright. And in this time where Florida's passing offense is so prolific, I see, you know, 100 yards, 120 yards a game, being sufficient for Florida if they're continuously churning out those yards with some of the, you know, with those rushers that they're giving the ball to.
2: Right. And and, and I completely agree with that. My only thing is that the, the Gators need to find out when they ought to run and when and how they ought to run the football. I do agree that you can get go, you can get guys the ball in various ways and they've shown it with Kadarius Tony last year, especially. And then this year, it, it just depends on if they're running the football, when they need to run the football. There's times where you see, a, you see a down and you're thinking, all right, it's first and 15. You should probably turn out a few yards on the ground instead of throwing an in incompletion. And then, bam, you're down into second and 15. And now you can't run the football because you're going to put yourself in a third and long situation. There's just certain situational plays where I think that, ah, oh, they should have ran the ball here. But I'll give you that. The, the, the Gators passing offense is so prolific that they can – pretty much ignored the running game at times, but then there's certain particular moments where they kind of need it. And they, especially against a team like Georgia, they're going to have to win that time of possession battle. So you're going to need to be able to turn out these long drives. You can't have a three and out because you're passing the football or you can't have a two score, you know, a two play score, which would be great. But then you give, you give Georgia the football right back. And now they're able to run the clock and control the game a little bit better on offense. So there's just a certain balance, I think, that they have to have, and um, we'll see what they do and how creative they're able to get, especially with running the football.
0: Yeah, the question is, what will that balance be? What will that opening script look like against Georgia, and how will they set the tone for the game? We're going to try and predict that when we come back from these messages. So Brandon floated this idea to me that he wanted to come on, and we were going to talk about how Florida could open this game offensively against Georgia to set the tone. You know, are they gonna come out and try and run the ball because like we said, the, the team that runs the most in this game wins? Or are they gonna go with what is clearly in their bread and butter? Just throw all day, especially against a Georgia defense that is going to be down a couple of players, including a top safety in the country in Richard LeCount. So with that being said, Brandon, I know you looked back last year. You looked at the script to see how they came out and attacked Georgia on the first drive. What did you see there? And then what's your prediction?
1: Well, so right out the gate, obviously, I'm going to throw it back to 2018 before we really get into 2019. Right out the gate in 2018, they go flea flicker, that Felipe Franks misses long to Van Jefferson. And, we're, and then mm-hmm. on two plays later, Jordan Scarlett, who gets a probably 8 to 12 yard, I, I can't remember exactly. It was like an 8 to 10, 8 to 12 yard game. Um, he fumbles the football. Georgia gets the ball back after driving down the field and scoring on their first possession last season, they throw a slant to Kyle Pitts over the middle for 12 yards. um, And then they come back, they hit another pass over the middle to I'm pretty sure van Jefferson. I don't have the entire script written down, but then they get down to about the 30 yard line or so. And they get in a position where not only have they used two timeouts because of miscommunications on the offensive side of the ball on the opening drive of the game, but they're in a second and short Okay. They're in a the second and short on the third, on about the 30, maybe even the 40 yard line. I'm not, I'm not 100% certain. But they elect to pass the ball on second and short, which it, when I say short is a, is a yard. Second and short, third and short, fourth and inches. They throw the ball all three times. They turn over on downs. Georgia gets the ball back up 3 0. That can't happen this year. They're, the miscommunication, the misexecution, of what Florida did last season and the year before that, with Felipe overthrowing Van Jefferson and then Jordan Scarlett fumbling, coughing up the football, it, it's not going to be the team the caliber of Georgia, especially with the defense that they have. Albeit they do have a few players out of action. Um, so this year, I think Florida needs to get off to a hot start. They they looked good last year until they stalled outside of the timeouts. Um, I think they need to get off to a hot start. Um, I would say a possibly ten, eight to 10 play drive, scoring drive um, because of what I've seen from them this season. Uh, I went back throughout all their scoring drives and they're averaging just over six plays per scoring drive on the year uh, or per touchdown drive, uh, that is. And so the dominant 13 to 15 play drives that really imposes their will, I don't see that happening on the first drive, of like the first possession. So what I want to see is I want to see I want to see them take another deep shot this season. I want to see them kind of maybe target pits down the middle of the field, uh, possibly out to the 20, 25 uh, yards out or so. And then just because of the absence of LeCount, so that kind of you know plays in there because he would be the one kind of matching him up because that's what he did last year. And then I want to see uh, a motion from right to left from Kadarius Tony on the next play, hit him with a little sc- slip screen because they're initially – They're getting their best two playmakers involved. And I think that's what we need to see. We need to see both those players get involved in a high volume. And we also need to see the ball spread out between these guys so that there's not one guy that Georgia really can key on throughout the rest of the game because they saw what they were able to do. I think they come back with another uh, slant to Pitts. And then this is when we start seeing them rush the football. Give it to Damian Pierce. Go up the middle. Bring in Malik Davis. uh, And then have him motion out to the right or the left, play the flats, and I just think, for the most part, not to be sorry i been a little long-winded, I just think that distributing the ball to a multitude of different places, getting a multitude of different guys involved, and really just working the field against the Georgia defense because it's going to be missing some key players is really what Florida needs to see.
0: Yeah, and at safety, there's LeCount, and there's also Lewis. Seen, We're not sure – Uh, We're not sure where he's at. He was part of that injury report that came out yesterday where he has a chance to play, but he, along with several Georgia defenders, were hurt against Kentucky. So I'm with you. I'd like to see that shot. I think, and I'm not going to be as descriptive as you, but I think it's... I see it similarly happening to the way you described it. I think it's going to be similar to last year without the miscommunications because I think this offense is just way more in sync. Kyle Trask was still getting... Used to things. I mean, he was he was hitting it. He was doing well, but he was still getting used to being the starter, and now it's the year under his belt since then. We shouldn't see those issues. If we do, we have a problem. Um, and But I still see Dan being stubborn in terms of they've done it all year. They've done it since Cal took over. They want to throw the ball, and they'll complement with the run game. So, yeah, I, I do see them coming out and attacking once again through the air, and maybe it won't be a second, third, and fourth and short. Multiple passes in a row, type of situation. Maybe he's learned from that, but they are going to try and impose their will through the air. Considering the injuries, and considering that's just what they do.
2: You know what? Well, what I really liked about Brandon's, you know, preparation of this script is getting the getting the football into the playmakers' hands right away. You talked about the the deep shot to Kyle Pitts, and I feel like we see that pretty early on, consistently during these mm-hmm. first. I guess, four games of the season. I feel as though that that's one of the things that they do try to do. Uh, we saw it this past game with the 32-yard reception, which was, I, I, don't, I don't know if I said it yesterday, but it was probably the best throw I've seen Kyle Trask make. And I feel like I say that a lot this season, and perhaps it's because I'm paying closer attention, but that was an incredible. Sorry to interrupt
0: you, but that's back-to-back games where he had the best throw we think he's had to Kyle Pitts, right? Yeah. And maybe it was a different receiver against Texas A&M, but.
2: It was Tony. It was Tony against Texas and m Oh, that's right. It was, it was the touchdown. On the, on the right I, side. Oh, the for one over reason, the
0: shoulder
1: that fell into, yeah.
0: For some reason, I yep. thought there might have been another really good throw. But, yes. There
2: yeah, was probably back, another great.
0: There there, there. it is, though, back-to-back games where we say it.
2: Right. Exactly. And, 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 and it's just amazing. And maybe he'll, ha- he'll have another one where it's a super tight window. And, you know brian johnson actually talked about this you know against a team like georgia a defense like georgia you're gonna be playing against tighter windows you're gonna be playing against guys that get off the blocks way way quicker they're gonna have to play more efficient against this georgia team and i feel as though getting the football into your playmakers hands early and often is going to be the key to success um kadarius tony i like having him go out on a little jet sweep getting him involved in the action going out into the flats and then making guys miss we've seen that he's able to do that plenty i think he has the most on the team with Twelve or thirteen, or maybe even fifteen, miss making guys. But I don't know. He has a lot. You know, he had the three last game or four last game, and then continues forward every single week. We see him do something more and more incredible. So getting the guy, getting the ball in those two guys' hand, and then obviously mixing in the run eventually, especially down near the thirty or the forty, and then the twenty, getting into the red zone. That's going to be the key to success against this Georgia defense. That is like you know Zach and Brandon have mentioned. You know they're missing. Li- they're missing the count, and they're missing a few other guys. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do and how they handle that, but I think that Georgia's going to have to stay on their toes because this Florida offense is coming through.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be better than last year, which is, well, I mean, I was going to say hard to think about with what they're able to do, but, I mean, it is better than last year. So, um, mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, just against a really talented Georgia team, it should be a better performance than they had against Georgia. That's for sure. And we can't wait to see it. We're going to continue previewing it throughout the week. But I want to thank you, Brandon, for stopping by today and chatting up uh, what was an eventful day of press conferences and, you know, having this fun little
1: project to do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on again. And uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, make sure to go follow him on Twitter at It's B Carol, as well as my co-host Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82, myself at Zach underscore Goodall, and most importantly, Follow at Locked On Gators. You'll never miss a show that way. But if you want an even more secure way to get all of our episodes, go and subscribe. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to Locked On Gators. Leave a rating and review. Make sure you voted. Oh, wait. I forgot again.
2: <laughs> if you voted, we'll give you something. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Look at me always forgetting when you guys will listen to this. Anyway, hope you voted. Uh, I'm sure after this, you'll be either celebrating or a little distraught about the election. Let's. I'll be peaceful about it and have a great night, everyone.